It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits, C103. And good morning, welcome to Friday's Cork Today, JP in for Patricia right through until 1. Bernie taking your calls right now on 0818 103 103. If there's something you'd like to raise on the show across the morning, or indeed uh, something we're discussing you want to comment on, you can always text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And ahead on the show this morning, uh, students who are now travelling to school by tractor as they lose out on concessionary tickets. These are students from Glenville who are now beyond their tractor and heading to Formoy to attend school because of the mess at this stage within the school transport system. We'll speak to one of those students very shortly on the programme. Also, uh, students of a different uh, kinds and in third level and we've heard that more than thirds of rental properties located near UCC are not registered with the RTB. Now we're aware of the problems the residents have had over the past regarding issues from houses in that area but if landlords are not registering these properties uh, does that cause more of a problem than for residents in the area who wish to report antisocial behaviour parties and a lot more we're going to chat with a local resident Catherine Clancy on that and why pharmacies are closing late nights and at weekends due to staff shortages. We'll be speaking with a pharmacist on the reason why. And we heard earlier this week on concerns from Bantry General Hospital when it came to the closure of beds at the mental health unit. Well, Jigsaw, which is Ireland's leading youth mental health charity, they say that more and more young people are seeking mental health. And this is all in the wake of the cost of living crisis. Jigsaw will join us this morning concerning that. A memorial concert is being held tonight. This has been organised by the friends of the late Sophie Tuscan de Plantier and we're going to speak to one of the organisers as it's uh, 26 years uh, this coming Christmas uh, since the death of uh, the French uh, filmmaker in Skull. Also, we took to the streets yesterday to find out what people make and what should be included in the upcoming budget. And we heard from callers, was it on Wednesday show, following what happened with the ramming of a Garda car in Cherry Orchard in Dublin. We did receive calls from people in the McCroom area who felt that the same thing could happen in McCroom because of so-called boy racers driving at speed around the town at night and in and out of housing estates in the area. Well then, after we called out those calls yesterday, we received a video and this is from the Knockabow Cross area of Barry Desmond 
and we'll play audio later on from this but people in that area are having problems sleeping at night and we have audio from a bedroom in a house in that area on how loud uh, the noise from the cars is but concerns in those areas after what happened in Dublin plus after 12.30 going to the movies with Mark Malone so that and more to come between 10 and 1 and something uh, that came up during the week by way and again today in Able Ireland are on strike we spoke with others that were on strike on Wednesday under the Section 39 uh, communities uh, and those who work within HSC facilities but they're you know community uh, workers the likes of St Joseph's and Charnival and Employability and others and the Irish Wheelchair Association who were on strike on Wednesday and within that conversation we were having with all of them a number of people did say it's amazing how those other people in the public service and RTDs don't have to wait for a pay increase when we heard from workers in those organisations who were waiting uh, it actually was Section 38 I think where these workers were in anyhow they were waiting for nearly 14 years uh, for a pay increase and this is a pay increase from their you know their actual employer nothing to do with minimum wage or anything like that they, they never received a pay increase from the employer uh, who where the money of course then comes from initially from the HSE so with that in mind interesting this morning that the majority of news outlets are reporting TDs they are due their next payment rise and that is going to be worth over €1,000 and it's going to come to them just days after the budget a 1% increase will be paid on the 1st of October and this is on a wage agreement that was uh, reached uh, and this will bring the basic wage for a TD up to €102,204 a huge amount of money and they're likely then to receive an additional 3% increase that will push their salary above 105,000 and then they'll also get a lump sum of about 2,500 euros in the following weeks and this is due to the public servants who are balloting at the moment on whether or not to accept the proposed 3% increase and other wage hikes that are agreed as part of that were agreed as part of the review for that pay deal now, this means not just politicians, this means that uh, hundreds and thousands of public servants will be entitled to uh, that package if it does go through. And unions were fighting this uh, last month. But if it does go through, that lump sum that TDs are due to get, the €2,500, they will get that because the 3% increase would be backdated to February. So that's where the lump sum comes from. And they would be eligible for the increases because their wages are linked to the principal officer grade within the civil service. And already we're hearing so much talk about stocks and shares uh, that are lower, uh, that are going the same way as the crashes 2008. Well, the politicians in this country, their pay is already above Celtic Tiger levels when it reaches its highest point of 100,191 euros in 2008. If this deal goes through, uh, they'll be earning roughly around €105,000 a year. Uh, huge sums of money. Uh, but then there's concerns growing within Fianna Fáil because their Ardèche is going to be held in a week's time. And seemingly, even though it's a very historic one, it's the 8th Ardèche for Fianna Fáil, the first one in three years. The first one is Michal Martin, a Taoiseach, and there's a low uptake on it. Willie O'Dea out of Limerick, of course, has said that he feels... Uh, people just don't have the interest. So Fianna Fáil are worried about their Ardesh. So that's what's uh, coming from uh, Linster House and the Doyle. A lot of pain creases up there, but 
If you were watching uh, Virgin Media News last night, you would have seen a report from their southern correspondent, Paul Byrne, on students who are driving tractors to school as they lost a place on the school bus. Well, one of those students joins me this morning, and this is Donald Sheehan, who is from Glenville. Good morning to you, Donald. Morning, JP. How are you getting on? I'm fine, thanks, and thanks for joining us. I suppose, first of all, how long did you hold a concessionary ticket when you were getting the bus? Well, I'm after holding a ticket for four years. It's a concessionary ticket. I was on the bus second year up to sixth year. And due to the buses being free, they decided at the start of the year, I wasn't, it was a lucky dip. And they said, no, we had the money paid for the ticket. We applied for it. We gave them... 500 euro for me and my brother and then the announcement came out that the tickets were going to be free so they reopened the portal and we didn't get a ticket then after that did you get a refund for the 500 euros from them yes we got yeah. a refund for it but a refund's no good to us we had no bother paying the money because we'd we'd have had a, a short way to school every day it's the fact of now we're paying so much a week like it's it's crazy it's not right and you're is it sixth year leaving start you're in i'm in sixth year now so i'm currently dealing with the uncertainty of the leaving search at the moment yeah because that's not set either and i don't have a bus ticket to be a shorter way in and out of school every day it's gone crazy i don't know what to do and for those who may ask, can you get a lift in from someone or, or your parents? Your parents, they both work. So this, what you are doing here, using your tractor uh, to get in and out from Glenville to Formoy, that's the only way you can get to school. Yeah, that's the only way. Like, a lot of people are carpooling, like, and it just happened that we missed out on the carpooling. But I don't know what, what to do about it. We're, we're stuck driving in. It's it's just crazy. I don't know what to do. I'm feeling lost, really. You are farmers, I presume. That's why you have a tractor. Oh, yeah. yeah. We are farmers. We're doing contracting out in Glenville. And that's how we have the tractors and the diesel at the moment. And at St. So, Coleman's in Formoy, I presume, is your secondary school then? Yeah, my secondary school is St. Coleman's College out in Formoy. This it's morning, a, you're going from Glenville to Formoy. How long and how long has it for the last few weeks you've started doing this? How long does it take you? Because tractors don't go the usual speed uh, we know cars go. I think yesterday it took me about half an hour to get in and out. It's doable. But still on the bus, how long would it take you? I think on the bus. I think I I met the bus at the same time on the way in and out that we left at the same time. Okay, yeah. Because the bus has all the stops as well, so that that would be one of the reasons there. And diesel, what's the cost of diesel to you? The cost of diesel to me now is one euro per kilometre to run the tractor. So I am looking at in and around 34 euro per day to get in and out of school. Per day? Per day. That's a lot of money every week and not a mind every month. Yeah. And is it I you and your parents are forking out the money for that? It, it's running off the farm. It's running off the uh, farm. It's green diesel. Like, it's not 
my own money like but still your parents are picking up that cost so it's their They're farm picking up the cost and it's it's tough on them like and I can hear it in your voice Donald you're, you're quite annoyed that this is happening to you and at the moment looking at what's coming from the departments and from the education minister Norma Foley there doesn't seem to be any plan to rectify this no no she said that it's in our plan to try put money on the budget but it's nothing assured yet it's nothing set in stone she doesn't seem too confident about getting us the money and or the bosses like this problems going on throughout the country we just we just happen to go viral over going in tractors like but it's a problem for everyone because we're all driving in and out to school every day when we all wanted buses and what that is the reaction the from your fellow students when you land in to school in your tractor? I mean, do you feel embarrassed or does anybody take any notice because they understand the situation? I feel embarrassed. It's it's embarrassing to be driving in and out the tractor every day because it's different. I feel it's different. It's not what people are used to seeing. Myself and Kiran are going in and out every single day and it's just, it's not right. Like, usually people are coming in their cars, buses, whatever, but we're the ones who stand out then. And parking at the school, are you able to park or is there facility for in the area to park a tractor? Uh, there's, there's a bit of space, like, it's there's some over in the Coleman's pitches, there's space over there. We get, we're able to park somewhere, we'll find, we find somewhere every day. And what's the reaction from the teachers? Teachers think it's wild that like we're forced to come in and out every day and not in the bus. It's the buses. They just keep, they said no, and there's no kind of response from them after that. So at this stage, it looks like you're just going to have to wait and see what comes out from the budget. But as we know with the budget, some measures in that cannot be implemented until next year. So there's no guarantee anything could change between now and Christmas. Yeah, we just have to sit and hope. I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah, that's all you can do at the moment anyhow there and, and continue your, your tractor run every morning from Glenville to Formoy. As you mentioned there, you're in sixth year. Uh, what is the plan in school at the moment? You're obviously preparing for the leaving search, but outside of that, following school, is it, do you want to go into the agricultural side of things uh, after school or have you a different plan? Honestly, I have no plans yet. Like, I, I do a bit of work on farms. I I do small bits, like, but I don't know what my plan is yet. I still have to go to all open days and yeah. find different things yet. Well, do that and enjoy doing that and best of luck and don't, don't make any rash decisions anyway. You've plenty of time ahead of you. Uh, for the moment, Donal, the very best of luck to you travelling every day on the tractor from Glenville to uh, your school there at St. Coleman's College in Formoy. We'll wait and see if anything comes from the budget next Tuesday on this or if measures will be implemented straight away. But for the moment, as you see yourself, it is quite frustrating and it's your way only to school at the moment, which seems a bit ridiculous, but that's the reality of what's happening in the ground uh, for the moment, Donald. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. Ronan Keating, who was a part of Boys Own, well, that big and famous scene when they launched their careers on the Late Late Show back in 1993. Louis Walsh wants to recreate that tonight, uh, but recreate it with a new boy band he's forming called Next In Line. Uh, they're going to appear on the Late Late Tonight, and it's going to be a similar type of appearance to that famous time Boys Own uh, came out first on the scene. Uh, and interesting, Shannon <laughs> to Bernie earlier, there's pictures in the papers and online this morning. Uh, they, Some of them are dressed as if they are 
are in the 90s now fashion changes and some of the fashion from the 80s we saw uh, making a comeback 90s fashion and hairstyles many would say are slowly making a comeback so maybe that's why anyhow you can watch the, watch out for them tonight on the Late Late Show whatever kind of appearance they will make and when you say nothing at all is the name of that song when a lot of people have a lot to say on the issue of students driving tractors to school to get to school the only option they have well and Mary is in Rathcool. She says, in the name of God, JP, what next? Driving to school by tractor? Do they own these tractors? Or how can their daddies afford to have these vehicles idle all day? If they can afford to do this, then don't be grumbling about going to school. It's ridiculous that I am a farmerette, says Mary in Rathcool. Uh, somebody else saying he's probably burning green diesel in that tractor, so it'll be cheaper than the bus. Well, I don't think it's cheaper, uh, but it is green diesel. He did say that. And Mary says, I hear about these two people on your radio this morning about the uh, tractors and driving to school I reflect on the fact that either or both of them could be driving these huge dangerous machines on the public road without having a driving test done I've always felt this anomaly needs to be addressed and a driving test for tractor drivers should be mandatory says Mary well actually the Road Safety Authority are looking into that and only from July they're looking at making changes but at the moment those guys are doing nothing wrong no they could easily have I mean anybody who's in the farming industry will know uh, any of my friends that are in the farming industry started driving once you hit the age of 17 and a lot of them were getting their licenses if they could get a full license they got that as soon as they could they had a lot of practice driving around fields with cars so it's not a very un- not unusual at all to have people driving uh, tractors at the age of 16 upwards and that is the minimum age 16 uh, you can apply for uh, it's called a category W license at the age of 16 and I think there's other licenses they're changing them as well I said that they are looking into that Mary and they're, they're looking at different licenses but anyhow uh, that is and they can drive on the road uh, but I know what you're saying you feel that there should be a driving test for those who do go along and get a tractor license they should do a test sitting next to someone on a tractor to see how they get on uh, also somebody else here on text saying don't be one bit ashamed farming is the backbone of Ireland drive safely while Councillor Declan Hurley says we have reached a new low with providing access to education in Ireland it's a sad state of affairs when the state can provide proper school transport and students are forced to use tractors to get to school yet the powers that be are getting significant pay increases to do a job they are not up to doing it is so so frustrating and annoying says Councillor Declan Hurley from Done Manway on text or WhatsApp to 0862103103. You can call Bernie on 0818103103. And on the way, a different students level, this is the third level, and how a number of rental properties located in and around UCC, uh, still a number of them are not registered with the RTB. We'll discuss that next. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818103103. There is a lot of talk recently about homes registered with the Residential Tenancies Board. Well, for the fourth time in six years, a sample check by residents living near UCC shows that over one in three private rented properties in the area are not registered by landlords to the RTB. And Catherine Clancy, who's chairperson of the Magazine Road and surrounding areas, resident Association joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Catherine. Good morning, Jean Paul. And thanks for joining us. I suppose when we say one in three not registered, how many houses are we talking about here? Well, what we did, I suppose, as a residence association for the fourth time in uh, six years is check the register of a sample number of houses. As you can imagine, around all of Cork and particularly around university areas, there are a lot of rented properties. So we just did a sample of 269 private rented properties 
that's roughly the sample that we would have been doing over the last number of years. And of that, one in three were found not to be registered. But what was more alarming, John Paul, is that of the 99 houses that aren't registered in the sample, set over 70 of those had been reported to the RTB as far back as 2017. And when you highlighted this, what did the RTB say or did they have anything we to say? We have, uh, on a number of occasions, um, written to the RTB and I know that the RTB were before the um, Public Accounts Committee of February of this year. We wrote again in February to Mr Niall Burns, who is the RTB director, and to the board, you know, raising our concerns around that. And, uh, you know, we were surprised that we have not heard anything back from Mr Niall Burns because when we wrote, we were aware when he was before the Public Accounts Committee, one of the things that he is very aware about is data. And if the government are to, you know, move on our housing issues and the lack of housing, the first thing they need to know is how many rented properties out there are out there. And the rented properties that are on the register of the RTB are only houses that are registered. But there is no um, body that you would think it would be the responsibility of the RTB to know how many rented properties there were out there and those houses that aren't registered that they would follow up in enforcement. And in the wake of the, of the Robert Troy controversy, Catherine, there yes. uh, with Taoiseach Micheál Martin has come out, you mentioned yes. there about them following up on instances like this, the apparent lack of enforcement, uh, Micheál Martin has said, by the RTB, that it was not an issue of resources. So you would think if resourcing is not an issue, uh, the enforcement rates, first of all, should be higher, but they should mm-hmm. have followed up with what you went to them with. I absolutely. And um, what it shows really like is for some reason, and that reason needs to be explained why there is no appetite by the RTB to follow up on houses that aren't registered. You know, if you as a landlord do not make contact with the RTB about renting your property, there will be no consequences. There seems to be no follow up. And, you know, for the landlords that do, you know, when you look at the RTB register, it shows that they're losing numbers on, on the register over years over a number of years since 2018. And I really believe the loss of many of those um, landlords on the on the register is because they see that there is no consequences of registering, not registering your property. And yeah. It's up to the landlord then, is it, to register their property. So if they don't, uh, they can just get away with it. Does that kind of show, though, Catherine, no, the system? No, it's the landlord. It really is, you know, there's a body put in place there called CRTB. Yeah. And that's Private Tenancy Board. There's legislation in place since 2014 that requires all landlords to register their property. It's not a choice. It's statutory regulation. But they have to do it themselves. No, the body to oversee that. Yes, yes. But if you don't, and are even in the case where the RTB are informed, you know, if there's a tenant in a house and they get onto the RTB and the house isn't registered, it slows down the whole process of, you know, dealing with the issue and dealing with the complaint for the tenant. So there's huge consequences for the tenant and um, but no consequences for the landlord if he isn't registered. That's what it appears. Yeah, so um, I suppose looking at it from the outside in, you would look at this system and say it's not really a system for purpose if yes. it's up to the actual landlord to go and make sure he is registered and there's no one really following up on that from, from what Absolutely. you're saying, the chasing them up. And then when you look at those who don't comply, you know, they're supposed to be uh, criminal yes. convictions and fines, but we don't hear many of those. No, um, and there are six people employed specifically within the RTB in the enforcement section. And as I say, when we, um, when Michal Martin on Taoiseach was questioned on this last year because we wrote to the Taoiseach, he said it wasn't a resource issue. 
So you just wonder, like, you know, there appears to be no appetite. There appears to be no follow-up. I mean, as I say, over 70 of those houses were first reported to the RTP back as far as 2017. 2017. And also, I suppose, it's a real issue as well. You know, if you look at DAFTAT, i.e. or if you go to any statistics on the rented market out there, and which the government go to, I suppose, if you're talking about how many rented properties and how many properties are needed if we're to meet our housing crisis. The body that are that our core function is to provide definitive data to the to, to the you know to the government around the rent sector. Do not have the definitive data, are not gathering the definitive data, data and are not following up on getting it. Well, the only thing that they have on their database is the registered properties. So, if you were to go on figures, um, John Paul, you know, one in three, which I think you know have not been registered, and I would imagine they're much higher on the place because we do a lot of following up in our area. But if you were to say half the properties in the country are not registered with the RTB, you're talking about over 300,000 properties that the RTB know nothing about and the government don't take into consideration when they're doing their fingers on the private rented sector. Huge amount of properties there if it is around 300,000. And also, you mentioned tenants there earlier and how it affects them. Yes. Uh, for your situation over the last few years, yes. when you go to highlight, for example, a party mm. at a rented property, it's not mm. registered, it's going to be harder then to sort anything out if the uh, person who owns the house won't deal with you when there's no registered with the RTB. So where do you and go? And the RTB are falling down on their duty of care as well. Yeah. They have a duty of care to a number of bodies. They have a duty of care to landlords. They have a duty of care to tenants. And they have a duty of care to what are called third parties, which is ourselves or other people. So us as a third party or a party, a body that they're supposed to look after. But if we get on and the house isn't registered, it's they don't take any tracking number. There is no tracking number given to us to, that they are following up on it. What we are told is keep checking the register to see if the landlord is registered. And when he's registered, then we can deal with the complaint. And how are things at the moment for you all there, Catherine, regarding the situations we spoke of, those parties, the oh, antisocial yeah. behaviour? Freshers' Week was last week. Has it calmed? Yeah. I would have to say, I suppose, you know, we've had a very good um, week last week. Uh, back to, I suppose, pre-COVID times, really, John Paul, we're happy to say. But that has come about, I suppose, during COVID. We had a terrible time as residents. But because of that, we came together as residents and we now have very good structures and relationships in place with UCC. MTU and with our community guards. They've just been fantastic and our local councillors. So we're not about um, reaction anymore. We're about prevention. So we, we're met with Angarda Siakon and UCC and um, our councillors before uh, what they call now Sockmore Week. It has changed its name. So, you know, the guards were very uh, visible in the area. Also, UCC were proactive in taking on any complaints that the residents had, which were, would have been a way down on what they have been for the last two years. So we're very confident that we've gone to a new place and back to enjoying our homes, but back there because of the supports that are put in place by our community guards and by the residents coming together, UCC and MTU. OK, well, at least that is something and things are yes. going in the right direction for you guys for the moment, uh, Catherine. Thanks for joining us this morning and uh, I suppose we'll wait and see if anything will change regarding uh, the registering of properties. But thanks for highlighting same this morning there. And thank
thank you for your interest. Thanks. Take care. Catherine Clancy, who is the chairperson of Magazine Road and Surrounding Areas Residents Association. Our lines are open for your views on that. 0818103103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And on the way next, we heard earlier this week on concerns from Bantry General Hospital when it came to the closure of beds at the mental health unit, well, Jigsaw, which is Ireland's leading youth mental health charity, they say more and more young people are seeking mental health support and a lot of this is due to the rising cost of living. We'll chat with Jigsaw next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 We discussed the mental health already this week on the show with regards to the unit at Bantry Hospital, but it seems more young people are seeking mental health support in the wake of the cost of living crisis. Mike Mansfield from Jigsaw, which is Ireland's leading youth mental health charity, joins me. Good morning to you, Mike. Good morning, how are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. Your latest annual report shows an increase in people seeking help with referrals uh, to your own community-based services and, and those referrals, they are increasing. Uh, what's the, the main contact you're hearing from people? Um, they are indeed um, increasing. We released our annual report for 2021 on Tuesday and an annual report for us is an opportunity to reflect on the year gone by and, and uh, look at the impact and, and, and the work that we've done. This year, I suppose, what really struck us was the increase in demand for services like ourselves. We've seen for our in-person services, there's 14 of them across the country, a 24% increase in demand. Um, what's driving that is complex. It, it's not a straightforward answer. We're certainly seeing a fallout from... I suppose the double whammy of COVID and the cost of living crisis. Both of those are mentioned in almost every single interaction we have with young people now, be it through our online or be it through our in-person services. So the talk a number of years ago around, is there a potential fallout from COVID? What's it going to be? Is it going to have an impact on the mental health? Our our insights or data from last year now tell us that I suppose some of our worst fears are... Um, um, have come true unfortunately there is a significant degree of anxiety worry concern low self-esteem and isolation among the youth population today and was that mainly due to all the various restrictions that we had over the last two to nearly three years where people were not seeing friends not out socializing not able to go if for example going to their first year in college which was a huge step uh, you know th- that wasn't there they were in college from home in their parents house and also the likes of a grads or debs didn't happen for a lot of people and does that all build up and then the other side of that then you have the cost of living where there's no way out I mean calls we got yesterday when we were speaking to the Minister for Social Protection Heather Humphreys a lot of the uh, people who were in their 20s feel there's no future for them here and that's also causing a lot of worry for them Yeah I, I mean look at all of the above is, is probably the short answer it has been a really tricky time look at COVID for everybody I think I think there was a universality in in the unsettlement and the anxiety around the restrictions that were put in place on on our lives and how we lived our lives, how we worked, how we engaged with uh, with friends and and socialised and everything in between. So it was it was an incredibly difficult time for us all. At Jigsaw, we we really strongly believe it had a disproportionately negative effect on our young people, as you mentioned. Um, disruptions to academia, missed milestones, um, inability for any financial independence. We need to remember that the youth unemployment was up around 70% for young people during COVID, where historically they would have been engaged in hospitality and, and, and retail sectors, and they closed, as did, as did um, young people's opportunity to have any 
um, any cash in the pocket. Um, so it was an incredibly difficult time, difficult to maintain relationships, incredibly difficult to establish new ones, uh, very much kind of a youth unspent, and we're now beginning to see the impact of that on our young people where they're now encouraged to kind of reintegrate, get back out into society. And for many young people across the country, that's really, really tough. And it's like a build-up, I suppose, of what's happening in the last year with the cost of living and coming out from restrictions with COVID. It's all it's all coming together, as people said would happen uh, over the last year or so. And just something that we mentioned earlier uh, this week on the show, and also at the start I mentioned Bantry Hospital, a threat of bed closures at the mental health unit at Bantry uh, was possible. Now, there was an appeal at the last minute Bush, when we spoke with local politicians, many of them felt that mental health is still not a priority within our health service in this country. Would you agree with them on that? Yeah, look, it's it's again, it's really tricky. Certainly, if 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 you look at some of the numbers, about five percent of the total health budget is ring fenced for mental health. Um, that is not good enough. It's not large enough. If we look at our nearest neighbour in the UK, it's about twelve percent. If we look at France, fourteen percent. Government policy tells us it should be in the region of 10 to 12 percent. So there's only 5 percent of our financial resources ring fenced for it. That makes it incredibly difficult to establish a system of care for our young people that is robust, that is good enough, that allows young people to access the support they need when they need it. Um, It isn't as simple, unfortunately, as financial investment. Um, There is a global shortage of labour and it's only 5% investment you can see then why there isn't enough trained professionals to deal uh, with mental health and the issues you all are hearing uh, across the country for the moment Mike I appreciate you taking time out to talk to us this morning on this Thank you very much Thank you that is Mike Mansfield there who joins us from Jigsaw and of course Jigsaw are Ireland's leading youth mental health charity your views are welcome 0818103103 and you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 Cork today we're with you until 1 JP in for Patricia Bernie taking your views on the phone right now your comments are welcome 0818103103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and on the way we are going to hear why pharmacies are closing late nights and at weekends. This is due to staff shortages. We'll be speaking uh, to a client-based pharmacist very shortly. But first, a lot of calls and comments in on our first interview from the show. And this is to do uh, with students from the Glenville area. And they're driving their tractors to get to school in Formoy because they've lost out on the concessionary bus tickets. We spoke to Donald Sheehan, who's one of those students earlier. He outlined the reasons why he's using his parents' tractor, I suppose, from the farm uh, to go to school every day. And a reaction on this, I must say a mixed reaction on this uh, to, for, for the lads that are doing uh, and have no choice but to go to school uh, on a tractor every day, back and forth. Uh, first of all, this person on WhatsApp, uh, no name on this, but uh, this person is saying, poor little rich boy farmer 
farmer uh, driving daddy's 100k tractor to school. What is the world coming to? What's the legal situation using a green diesel on a public road driving to school? I can't see how that's actually justified putting green diesel. Uh, surely he would want to use white diesel uh, since the tractor is being used for agri driving to and from school, says that person. Uh, somebody else is, then says, this is the girls in Mallow. They say, I think it's great going to school with a tractor. So cool. It's safer. Good luck to them boys. Well done from all the girls in Mallow. Eddie in Mallow says, where is the health and safety in all of this? There are school children around those tractors. Uh, while Mary is asking, what happened to the bicycle? Uh, going to school beside those uh, big tractors. Uh, Mary says show off. That's her words now on WhatsApp. Um, bicycles from Glenville to Formoy. It's about a 20 minute drive. Would that be over an hour on roads that are not fantastic uh, from Glenville to Formoy? So are people saying that they should cycle an hour every morning and an hour every evening? Uh, people might have done it back in the day. Maybe less traffic on the roads. I don't know. Your your views are welcome. Uh, pe- that's what people are saying on, on WhatsApp. But on a different side of things uh, from Dunmanway a texter saying I got my bus tickets for my sons but I know friends of mine and they always were on the bus also for the past five years like my sons and they did not get any bus tickets this year both parents are working so they have to take their children to school before they head to work every morning and their school is about four miles from their home the opposite way to or the opposite way from their workplace so they're going out of their way by four miles every day to make sure and ensure their child or their children have an education uh, so that's a story from Dunmanway. There's many stories we've heard over the last two or three weeks on this. As uh, Somebody else here is saying, I sympathise with the boy's situation over the school bus, but could he not cycle to school? People did it a long time ago. It would cost him nothing and do him good in the long term. Well, Elner is living in Glenville and she's had experience in dealing with school buses before and joins me on the comment line. Good morning to you, Elner. Good morning, PJ. How are you? I'm fine. And we've got a lot of people who are on to us this morning and they're all saying, could the guys not cycle? But am I right in saying that would be over an hour cycle on roads that are not great? it's actually 16.9 kilometres in very bad roads with big, heavy school bags. Both of these boys, one is in fifth year, one is in leaving cert. I think they have more to contend with and have contended with in the past through COVID to be putting extra pressure on them to ask them to cycle 16.9 kilometres. I think shame on them, really, for making accusations like that. Their parents are up against it. We have no public service out here. We rely totally on the school transport to take our children to school. And without it, we are lost. There is 20 students here now in Glenville that have no seats on the bus. And... They're trying to core with other parents. Parents are trying to go to work. Parents are in danger of burnout, both physically and mentally. And the people that are going to lose out in the long long run are the people that are employing their parents because they can't be taking time off continuously trying to get their children to school. When there is a solution to this, the solution is that the minister needs to talk to the parents. We need a bus extra put on in Glenville. We had two buses last year during COVID. We now down to one bus. Now also when we um, register our children on the bus first day, which was done last April, they knew exactly how many children needed seats last April on the bus. It took until the night before they went back to school, parents got emails saying that they had no bus tickets at a quarter to ten. That's not good enough. 
Um, the, the reason I'm on the on the line is I have first-hand experience of this. I am 12 years dealing with bus errands. My child in Leaving Cert also lost his seat going back four years ago. I fought very hard to get him back on. I did eventually get him back on. And um, the reason I'm ringing is in, instead of using our addresses as the focal point, use the schools. Glenville National School has been a feeder school for almost 50 years for Fermoy. And therefore, we should not have concessionary tickets. We should have eligibility tickets. And going forward, uh, bus Aaron can allocate going on years in advance how many buses would be needed if they do it on the basis of each national school as opposed to where everybody is living. And that's a very good point you make there because, first of all, if it is nearly 17k away from the school yeah. uh, you would think that everybody should be qualifying for the school transport rather than uh, waiting on a concessionary ticket but exactly. Glenville I mean as you say for my would be the, the, the place that the majority go to school uh, with uh, is there anybody in the area that that has chosen to go elsewhere because of, of the problems well, with the school Carrie transport Navarre is what they're saying is our near nearest school now Glenville is a feeder school for Carrig Navarre Meyer, and for my and has been for years um, and I like basically it's mostly for my most students go to for my so therefore if you have 36 students in six class and 12 of them decide to go to Carrig Navarre six of them decide to go to Glanmire well the balance are going to go to for my and you're going to know that from the time they start in junior infants true yeah. you're going to have a fair idea that yeah. there's 36 children in the class well there's three feeder schools and you know, you're going to have a fair idea of being able to make out the numbers from that. And it's interesting you say during the height of the pandemic, there was buses available to take those to the school two, in Formoy. It was the only time that yeah. parents weren't feeling anxious. I have had parents coming up to me outside mass during the summer, all worried, including myself, all worried because it's a total lottery system. We're all travelling on concessionary tickets. It could be any of us. We're all worried that we won't have a ticket. Will we get a ticket this year or will we get kicked off next year? It's ridiculous. This can be sorted. We need to look after the students. They're our future. And, you know, commenting on how they're getting to school is just ridiculous. Parents are up against it. They're trying to keep their jobs. They're trying to keep food on the table. They're trying to keep money coming in. And they can't do everything. So I'm pleading on the minister, this is a ticking box exercise, tick the box and give us a bus back here in Glenville. We have no public service, we have nothing. Well, well said, Eleanor. And also, when you mentioned there, when we spoke to the two lads earlier regarding the, the tractor situation, there's how they're getting to school. There must be others, though, like we're hearing from oh, Kinsale, Bandon, and Manway. Yeah, and are, there, are they in a situation whereby it's the parents who are running back and forth over and across the, the in between school are to get them? back and forth yeah. twice a day, both physically and mentally. They cannot sustain it. No. You're asking friends, you're asking neighbours, you're asking family, any chance you're going to Vermont, would you pick them up? Like, people can't, You like, governments can't be run like that, buses can't be run like that, parents can't run their house like that, or their families like that. And I'm pleading on the minister, 
at quarter to ten the night before they went back to school, these 20 parents were told they had no bus seat. That's not acceptable when they had the list of names since last April. That's a, yeah, and again, the points you're making are, are valid. I'm not too sure why they weren't thought of on a high from the Department of Education and those who look after the school transport side of things beforehand. And that's the question everybody's asking. But uh, for the moment, Eleanor, thanks for speaking to us and joining us on the comment line this morning. And best of luck to you. Thank you. Take care. Eleanor there, who is in Glenville and first hand telling us the experience of other people living in the area, uh, joining us on the comment line on 0818 103 103. Bernie, taking your calls there. If you wish to join us on air, you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Uh, A lot of people finding themselves in the same situation. We'll get back to a lot more comments as well on various issues. For example, this is to do with the RTB. But a load of calls in and emails and texts from people who want to register with the RTB, but they can't. They go about the first step and no one comes back to them. I'll get to those calls and indeed texts shortly. And on that, Dan is in Ballinahasic and he says, in the Cork County Council area, the local authority only collected 10,000 fines in out of a possible 1 million for owners of derelict properties. So why are we surprised they can't do simple things like trace unregistered landlords? Says Dan in Banahasic on 0818-103-103. Jobs. And on today's jobs slot, we have vacancies for a salesperson required for PJ Murray Engineering in Dunmanway. You can apply with your CV to pjmurrayeng at gmail.com or call 023-88-45436. Night duty support worker is wanted to work three nights a week from 11pm to 7.30am in Coonvera in Fernands. It's a drug and alcohol rehabilitation centre for ladies and you can send your CV by email to Fernands coonvera.ie and Capita are recruiting customer service individuals and advisors to join their team in their Clonakilty office. If you are interested, email Clonakilty to capitajobs at capita.com. You'll find these jobs and more online now. Go to c103.ie forward slash job. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. Pharmacies are cutting back on their opening hours with some closing at the weekends due to the staff shortages facing the sector. Joining me is Dermot Toomey, a pharmacist from Klein. Good morning to you, Dermot. Hi, good morning to you, JP. How are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. I suppose these shortages, is it due to the shortage of pharmacists and local pharmacists that is causing the close downs? Yeah, effectively the issue is um, there are a shortage of pharmacists willing to work in community pharmacy. We have three, three schools of pharmacy in, in terms of three universities training pharmacists. However, many of them uh, pursue different career options, such as some go on to study medicine, some want to work in hospital pharmacy or industry, or even some become consultants, which is absolutely fine. But just from our perspective as community pharmacists, we actually need um, a good supply every year. And unfortunately, 50% of the people on the register would have been trained outside of Ireland. In other words, in the UK, the vast majority. But that has very much dried up in the last few years due to Brexit and other issues. So really, we're not training enough. And then we have issues in retaining those that we have trained. And the knock-on effects then is pharmacies, many of them may be smaller pharmacies in towns, they can be closed in, and some would say when people need the most, you have workers who may attend the pharmacy late night or indeed on a Saturday. And that is a knock-on effect then, isn't it? You know, it can 
it can have. I mean, what what we're seeing is that additional services that people provide, such as, for example, vaccination, and that they, they will potentially be impacted because of this. Because, in other words, for a pharmacy to provide those services, you'll need at least two pharmacists working in, in the pharmacy at the same time. And that's what many of my colleagues are finding an issue. So, unfortunately, it's either going to affect and has affected opening hours or additional services. And ultimately, what we want to be is, is a solution for healthcare issues, be able to solve some of the problems in the community. But it's getting more and more difficult because of these issues that we have. One, as I say, which is the number of, of pharmacists that are available and willing to work in community pharmacy. And secondly, uh, the cost of providing the service. Um, so we've, we've spoken to politicians about requiring a fee increase in, our, in order to sustain our services. And you mentioned there regarding pharmacies on the premises. A pharmacy itself, it can only open, can't it, if there's a registered pharmacist on the premises. Is that remaining the case? Yes, no, absolutely. So um, it's it's one of the, um, I suppose, the stipulations in the Pharmacy Act. And while we have a, a very good team of people who support us, such as assistants, uh, technicians, other dispensers, uh, the law is very clear that there needs to be a um, qualified pharmacist on the premises. And that's to oversee, you know, all of the pharmaceutical care that goes on. The issue really is it makes it very, very difficult in terms of trying to get lunch breaks or even trying to get holiday cover or even when we have to go on training or do additional training for vaccinations and other services we, we you know we have to replace ourselves or our pharmacist in, in order to do that um, and that's the way it is and that's the way it always has been but I suppose the important thing for us is really is that we, we need to have more pharmacists available we need to have more pharmacists available to work in each pharmacy so that people can get breaks many of my colleagues are working six or seven days and are you know finding it very very difficult um, the workload has increased hugely but um, as I say it's, it's a very pressurized environment and we need to have a team of people um, in each pharmacy in order to, to carry the load. And because now there is effects uh, to all pharmacies, not only here in Cork, but across the country, do we need some type of training system to be brought in? I mean, you mentioned there about those who train in the UK may come here or vice versa. There was ads a few years ago, I think it was Australia, saying we need you in the recording of certain sectors of professions from outside Australia to go and work there. Is it something like that we need in this country or are we at that stage yet? Oh, no, we're, we're, we're definitely at that stage. I mean, it's a combination of things. We do need to train more pharmacists within the country. We do need to retain the pharmacists that we have in the sector. So many pharmacists are leaving because the job isn't stimulating enough. There's too much bureaucracy and paperwork and form filling. And many of the young pharmacists would like to be using their clinical skills to, to help their patients to solve some of the problems. And really, if we make attractive by reducing red tape that will certainly be a help training more pharmacists will be a help but also we need to make it easier for pharmacists outside of the eu to come in to work in ireland so for example um south africa is a country where there's many doctors who who come from south africa to work for stints in ireland in terms of if you're a south african pharmacist uh, we know of people where they're over two years trying to get through a qualification process which is is, is horrendous so many of them have just given up the ghost so we're, we're calling on the, the pharmacy regulator to make that process much easier and much more straightforward and much more clarified for people so that you know if they want to go that route that um, it's clearer it's faster and it's more straightforward and obviously they need to have appropriate qualifications and all of that that's a given but the, the system just can't take forever.
And when you mentioned there about red tape and maybe relooking at reforming some sectors of the industry uh, and, and training, you mentioned, is there still a vacancy for the chief pharmacy officer at the Department of Health? Was that ever filled to that role? Yeah, that's absolutely correct, JP. One of the things we're calling for is that there would be a chief pharmaceutical officer. Um, I think it was 2013, 2014, when that position was last filled. It hasn't been filled since then. We feel that, you know, there's almost 2,000 community pharmacies out there providing a huge level of service. The medicines bill is in excess of 2 billion euros. We feel we can be part of How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Solution, but we want to be involved and engaged with the Department of Health at a high level to look at strategically where pharmacy can go, what type of services can be provided in Ireland that are available abroad, how can we reduce pressure on primary care, on GPs and how can we give the public the services that they need, when they need it in the locations that And because this rule hasn't been filled has it led to problems already before the shortage of staff? Has there been problems within the last uh, more than 10 years if if it's 2013 or 2014 uh, that is affecting pharmacists and how you run your local pharmacy? I would say absolutely. Look, it's about vision. If you have someone in there who can take a strategic, a five or ten year view, look at what's happening in other countries, look at how healthcare has evolved and can evolve further, then I would say absolutely. Like a recent example is, and uh, something that we welcome, is that contraception has been available in the last few weeks free of charge for the 17 to 25 year olds. And that's something thing is the IPU we would welcome. However, it hasn't increased accessibility because people still need to get a prescription. What we were very much in favour of, and it's happened in many other countries, is that patients would have a choice. They could go to their GP or they could get it over the counter from their pharmacy after an appropriate consultation. And this is something that, as I say, had we been involved in this process from the very start, had there been a vision in the department, had there been a chief pharmaceutical officer, we would certainly be providing that level of service now, as is available in 
many other countries. Yeah, so I suppose the long-term view is the public would have more services, but at the moment they're losing out. Uh, that's only one example. And the next is the, the staff situation then, and, and pharmacies closing earlier or not opening at weekends. Uh, Dermot, thank you very much for joining us this morning. The best of luck uh, to you and your industry, and hopefully we'll see improvements or we'll have some knock-on effects if the Department of Health do change their way of thinking over the next number of months. But for the moment, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Thank you very much. Thank you. That is Dermot Toomey there, a pharmacist based in Cloyne. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Tonight in Skull, a memorial concert organised by the friends of the late Sophie Tuscan de Plantier is taking place. The French film producer, who was murdered in December 1996 at her holiday home at Tourmore near Skull, would have been 65 years old this year if she had lived. The Garda investigation into her murder remains active. Bill Hogan, one of the organising committee, joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Bill. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. Uh, I suppose what's going to happen this evening, uh, this is for those, an opportunity for those family and friends and neighbours. And as I mentioned, family, I know Sophie's family have travelled from France to Skull to show respect to the late French woman. Yeah, well, I think everybody is remembering it. You know, it seems one of those things that doesn't go away. And when you say it doesn't go away, what's the feeling in the community, Bill, 26 years nearly now, uh, on, as the investigation remains active? Well, I, <clears throat> I can't really speak for the whole community, but I must say that there is a huge interest in this situation, you know, in the trial that might take place in the future. I think this is what people would like to see, um, is a fair trial so that these matters could be aired and decided by a jury and a judge because it has gone on for too long. You know, Dr. King used to say in America that in the civil rights times that justice delayed is justice denied. Yeah, and we'll have to wait and see. As I say, the Gardaí are still investigating into her murder and there's been so much talk of late, Bill, uh, with so many documentaries and uh, I suppose online documentaries being filmed as well and podcasts regarding what happened uh, on that night back in December 1996. But uh, tonight is all about remembering Sophie for those who knew her in the community. Did you know her yourself? Yes, I knew her quite well. She was a customer of mine. She used to buy my cheese. And we'd have little conversations. We'd taste Jesus and have a sip of wine and a bit of conversation. She was a lovely person, very cultured, very intelligent, very quick-witted. And when you mentioned culture there, also creativity would have been a big aspect for her, being a filmmaker, and the locations in the Mism would have given her that option to go and be creative. Well, really, why, why she loved coming to Ireland is because she loved Irish people and Irish literature. It's something her son said, and her father's going to send him, he's sending a message tonight. And the message her father is saying, he's in his 90s now, is sending is that Sophie wanted to be Irish. She loved Irish music, Irish literature. And um, I think why she came over here was to really imbue herself in Irish culture. Uh, she found something very special here. She liked the fact that she could come over and kind of let her hair down and everything was easygoing and informal. And you mentioned her son there. Is he going to be in attendance tonight? Uh, no, her son is not coming, but there's a message from him. It's her uncle, uh, Jean-Pierre Gasseau, a physicist. He's been heading the campaign um, for Sophie for years now. They were very close. He's giving a little talk tonight with messages from Sophie's parents, George and Marguerite, 
as well from her auntie and her son, I believe, that they're, they're all going to be very short messages. And I was reading during the week, you mentioned her brother there uh, finding a letter that she wrote here in Ireland. Uh, the letter was dated January 1996 and he described the letter as haunting. Well, we all felt that as soon as we saw it. It was Bertrand who found it. It was 11 months before she was killed. She wrote that, um, you know, about respect and, you know, how we feel about the dead and, you know, how, you know, we can commemorate them and they don't really go away. They're always with us. I thought it was a beautiful statement. So when Bertrand, he was going through her papers because he, the family has helped us with the concert to, to get into um, the kind of music and literature that she liked. So really, it's the semblance of Sophie tonight. It's really about how she thought and she felt because we wanted to sort of bring back her memory so that in the, she would come into the public eye as to what a fine person she was, if you understand me. I just want to say also that we have a committee. It's all non-profit. Um, there's four of us working on this, and uh, Diana Llewellyn is the music director. She has done a stupendous job. Um, I won't brag about the performance because it hasn't taken place. It hasn't taken place yet. And um, um, and what can people expect tonight, Bill, when they go along, as you said? Uh, the tickets, are they still available for, for tonight? In the there's area? a few tickets left. Yeah. They'll be sold at the door, but most of the tickets are, are gone. And what can they expect there? You mentioned what was coming up. What else can they expect tonight in the concert? Well, you see, there's going to be everything from, you know, Irish traditional airs, uh, a wonderful harpist, um, Marie Casey is coming from Bandon, and there's going to be uh, an aria from Madame Butterfly. There's going to be all kinds of uh, a bit of Bach, a bit of popular music, French popular. It'll be a tremendous mix. It's going to be really a kind of fusion concert, just in honour of her. And it's on in the Harbourview Hotel in Skull tonight, 8 o'clock tickets. They're 20 euros and at the door. Harbour Hotel, Skull. You can, I think there'll still be a few t- tickets left at the door. OK, well, the very best of luck to you, Bill, and everybody who's involved in tonight and everybody in the Mizzen area who would have been friends with Sophie and knew her like you did and yeah. will remember her tonight. It's a very special occasion and well done to you, the organising committee, for thinking of her and organising this and I'm sure her family as well in France appreciate this. You touched there on you and the late Sophie sitting down having cheese that you make. Uh, You're still obviously involved in, in, in this. No, uh, no, I'm retired. Are you retired totally? You know, I'm an old fellow now. I'm retired from the cheese making. This was in the mid '90s. She used to come over and we'd have a bit of conversation, you know. And was it that you were manufacturing cheese on, yeah, on a big scale? Yeah, we had Gabriel and Desmond cheese. We had a small cheese factory in Drina Tra. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And you were that was sold locally then in the area, or did you ever oh, branch out? Oh, it was out? sold all over the place. All it was over. Sold in England. It was sold in oh. Dublin. It was it was very well known. What was the name of the brand or the name of the cheese? The Gabriel and Desmond. They were two oh. hard cheeses, yeah. Okay. Sophie was very fond of the Desmond, the really sharp, fiery cheese. She she was mad for it. She used to buy whole cheeses from me. And is the brand now gone or is it sold oh, out? Gone. We have them in the shelf, but we, we, my partner, Sean, in the company, he now makes the McCroom buffalo cheese. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the, the, the tradition is still going on but with the buffaloes now, more or less. Well, we're all still at it, you know, yeah. in our own way. I mean, I... I'd love to be at it, but I'm not physically able. 
And well, we, yeah, and look, you, you put in so many years at it. It's, it's good to see another generation and other people getting involved too. And we spoke to those you mentioned there uh, at various food festivals over the last number of years in either Skibbereen or indeed in McCroom. Uh, but for the moment, Bill, thanks for joining us. And again, best of luck with tonight. Thank you so much. Take care, Bill. Uh, that is Bill Hogan there joining us from Skull, ahead of the memorial uh, event tonight, the memorial concert. It's called Remember Me, a concert for Sophie in music and words at the Harbour Hotel, or the Harbour View Hotel, I should say, in Skull uh, tonight at 8 o'clock. Tickets there will be on the door. There'll be a cost of €20. Euros. It's not for profit. And all those who knew Sophie, like Bill did in the area, will remember her tonight at that memorial concert. Our lines are open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103103 called Bernie on 0818 103103 and a lot of calls and texts in regarding that story on the school transport issues that we've been hearing for the last two or three weeks but the uh, Donald who we spoke to this morning Donald Sheehan from Glenville who has to drive his tractor now from Glenville to Fermoy the only way he can get into secondary school at St. Coleman's College in Fermoy because he didn't get a bus ticket this year he was one of those who lost out even though he had a concessionary ticket for the last four years he did not get one this year hence why him and his friend are driving their tractors well their parents tractors uh, to the school and there was a lot of mixed reaction on this and people asking you know can this be done had they a license and they have a license and, and, and they are doing it and it's their parents tractors and they're using the diesel from the farm uh, to go so it, it is all above board and they spoke to us on the reason why and Una is reacting to this she's been hearing uh, the various comments uh, that have come in across the morning and we spoke to Eleanor as well on our comment line and you know she's explaining the reasons why Glenville and why this is a big issue in all areas and, and just outlining why it's an issue in Glenville but Una is saying I am surprised at listening to your show two young boys doing the best they can to get to school at least they have come up with a solution and not just sitting at home and then I hear people texting you asking have they a licence have they insurance can they not get someone else to drive them why can't they cycle my God, JP, can people just get a grip? This is the solution they have come up with. Uh, your other caller, who was Elner, outlined how it's over an hour on bad roads to cycle to for my. Why the lads have this solution now, hopefully after the budget, the school transport issue will get sorted. But at least until now, for the next month or two months, uh, they're not doing nothing about it. They've come up with a solution. As he said, they went viral. And since the media picked up in the story, people know about it. But they were doing this since the very beginning of the school term. I feel those texting in are looking for every opportunity, says Una, just to pick holes or just pick on the two guys. I say to them, well done on your initiative. And considering they thought of this and are doing it, they will go far in life, says Una. On WhatsApp to 0862103103. I also mentioned earlier on the show how TDs in Dáil Éireann, they are going to get a pay increase. And it's all part of the pay increase within the public service uh, that is going to lead to TDs if the other pay increase, that is the deal that they're going through at the moment this is the deal where the Irish Congress of Trade Unions are speaking with those in public office they're looking for a proposed 3% increase in wage hikes across the public sector and if that goes ahead along with the increase TDs are going to get after the budget TDs in this country would be earning €105,000 and they'll also get a lump sum of €2,500 in the following weeks and that lump sum they will get this is because the 3% I mentioned and that 3% increase 
uh, will be backdated until last February. So that's where the two and a half thousand euros comes from. And the pay they already then will be on will be a lot higher than the Celtic Tiger levels. Uh, well, on that, Pat is reacting. He says, it is a disgrace that a TD or all of them are getting all that money. Half of that would be a lot for them, says Pat. While Jones says, listening to everything going on with people worried about the cost of living, uh, people trying to find solutions to get to school. And then I heard you this morning uh, saying that there's going to be further pay rises for politicians. Uh, something is totally wrong when the country is not running 100%. And politicians are entitled and are eligible for these increases because their wages are linked to the principal officer grade in the civil service, just to make that clear. Uh, but yeah, they're entitled to it. So your views are welcome on that. Pat says half of that money would do uh, for TDs working in the Dáil. And then somebody from the from my area who was texting uh, and just the cost of living that I touched on earlier as well, which we're very familiar about. Uh, he says, hello, John Paul, everything is going up in prices. Myself and my family have to use torches and candles. We are afraid to use the electricity or anything electrical because we don't know how high it will go. People cannot go on living like this. The government must intervene right now and do what they were elected for before there is no hope. Is 2022 and why are we living like this? We are better off without no government. It's disgraceful, says that listener from from Oi. And then when we were speaking about the mental health situation earlier with Jigsaw, who were seeing a huge rise in people contacting them looking for help, a lot of it due to, I suppose, coming out of the pandemic, first of all, uh, but also the cost of living, like I mentioned there from that listener in Formoy. And I, within the interview, I was outlining what we discussed earlier this week and last week about the mental health facility at Bantry General Hospital and, and the fear there of closing of beds. Now, as we know, this day last week, a last minute appeal went in, so the beds will be there for the for the moment. Anyhow, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that appeal and how things go into the future. But this person saying you talk about mental health and the closing of beds in the mental health hospital uh, within Bantry. Uh, this person on WhatsApp feels the government should build a new modern mental health hospital in Bantry. If you went into the existing mental health hospital in Bantry, you would come out worse. It is so depressing inside of it. So I presume from that it's, it's obviously a building, maybe one of the older uh, health buildings and the interior would have been creative maybe in the 60s or 70s, I presume. You feel it's too out of date and too old and going in there could make a person worse and maybe a new, uh, shiny new health system might be the way to go. Anyhow, thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103 or indeed you can call Bernie on 0818103103. And I don't know if any of you, maybe you did see this story, uh, a comical story in one way. Uh, this is where the former rugby player, Brian O'Driscoll, he, Amy, his wife, who's well-known, Amy Huberman, uh, actress, she's been in a number of TV shows, not only here in Ireland, but also across the UK. And she was, after leaving their, their own pet dog, to the groomers. So it was Brian's turn to go and collect the dog. And he did that, but no, I'm not sure was he in a rush or was he in that kind of frame of mind where he was going, oh my God, I must go up and pick up the dog from the groomers and he was going from A to B. Because when he came home, both of them were looking at their pet and they realised that Brian brought the wrong dog home from the groomers. Uh, now, while that was his task to bring home the correct dog and he came back with the wrong dog, they didn't look quite similar, uh, similar because uh, their own pooch, the hair around its face looked lighter. Uh, but they thought maybe it was down to the grooming. Anyhow, after a while, they realised it's not their dog, so they had to go back and get their own dog. Uh, but as a lot of people are asking the question, 
if you did go to a lineup and your own dog was included in the lineup of dogs who were a similar breed, it could be 11 golden retrievers in a lineup. Could you identify your dog out of a lineup or would you struggle if all the dogs were exactly the same? Uh, I think they only realised it because, again, it was it was some hair around the face. When they looked deeper, they realised it wasn't their dog. But also after a few minutes, the dog was acting differently than their own dog would have been. And then they realised what was happening. Anyhow, it, it's worked out and they've sorted it out. Amy, though, has um, said that the next time uh, she's going to collect the children from school this week, she might do it herself in case Brian comes back with the wrong children. Well, hopefully he would not do that. He'd recognise his own kids. But anyhow, your your views on that, if you were uh, to go to a lineup and you had 11 or 12 dogs, the same breed as your own, all look the same, would you be able to pick your dog out of a lineup? <laughs> Let us know. Uh, text or WhatsApp 0862103103 or on 0818103103 by phone. That is today on to 1JP in for Patricia Bernie taking your views on the phone right now comments welcome to 0818 103 103 or you can text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 still to come we're going to hear from the streets of Cork our news reporter Murray Tuig uh, found out yesterday and listened to people's views on the upcoming budget what should be included what they think should happen next Tuesday that's ahead also we are hearing from various areas of Cork where so called boy racers are keeping people up late at night we'll hear from those and a lot of people have sent in videos and audio uh, which is from their bedroom to show evidence of how loud uh, the cars are uh, late at night Uh, plus of course we're going to the movies with Mark Malone after 12.30 that and more to come between now and one but a lot of calls and comments in on the various issues we've been discussing this morning on the programme since 10am and one of those was from Catherine Clancy, who joined us from the Magazine Road uh, Residents Association and the wider area there because they've done a survey and they found out that a third of rental properties near UCC are not registered with the RTB. Uh, now, we've got a number of calls, texts, emails and everything into us in the last uh, number of an hour or so, at least since we spoke to Catherine. Uh, from landlords, one here on email says, I am listening to your show and I am exhausted from trying to register a property that I have rented out to tenants. I have rang, I have emailed, I have written to this office and I'm getting nowhere. I must be doing something wrong. Is it possible that you could ask the person uh, that was on to show someone how to go and register a property with the RTB. Well, you are not alone there because uh, a lot more people are in the similar uh, boat as you. Uh, Joe also rents out property. He can't register with the RTB. And Sean joins me from Ballygarvan. Good afternoon to you, Sean. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. You're in a similar position. Is it that you have two apartments that you rent out and you are looking to register with the RTB because you have a new tenant? Yeah, they were registered previously. We changed tenants on one of them, but can't. Uh, register with the RTB can't get the name changed or uh, you know it's just uh, constant emails but there's nothing coming back So you're emailing them giving them the information they require are you hearing nothing at all back I mean have you rung them have you tried to write to them like the other person there has We haven't wrote to them we've you know we'd email them every two weeks just to keep it updated and have references but a uh, still no success. Are you, are you getting anything back for them, even the, an automated email? Uh, now, it's slightly third hand here because my wife is handling it. Mm. Um, but uh, so far, 
very little back. I, I don't think she did. And, I mean, when you hear the Taoiseach coming out, Michal Martin, when this was brought up initially, he said there is no problem with that system because there is adequate resources there. Many people thought, you know, maybe that RTB system is under-resourced. There's enough resources, so if there's enough resources, they should be able to email you back. Yeah, I can't understand it. Um, now, I'm after hearing from other landlords as well. There's uh, problems uh, trying to register tenants um, and... I was putting it down to short staffing or something like that, but so far, no response. Frustrating when you get nothing back, and then I presume frustrating when you see headlines like that, properties aren't registered with the RTB, or people not registering their tenants, but then if you're in your situation, you can't get onto them. That's, this is it. That's why I rang in this morning when I heard landlords uh, not registering, and we were trying, and then as I said, is. It was registered last year, just changing tenants. So they have all the details just to change the tenant's name and still nothing back. So it wasn't a huge job. Every it bit of the information was job. there, yeah. No, no. And but what's it like being a... system or something. Yeah, yeah well, and, and even at that, they're saying that they are using the same system. So I'm not too sure what is going on, where there's a number of callers like yourself, Sean, who aren't hearing back from them when they do contact them. I mean, a landlord in 2022, uh, what's it like for you at the moment? It's it's difficult enough. It is difficult. Um, but, you know, when you try to do things above board and keep everything straight, uh, it's frustrating not to not to be able to do that. And how are your tenants? I mean, are you have you been lucky with tenants over the, the past while you've been uh, renting out those apartments? Yeah, no, no, their tenants are excellent. So you've had no problem that way, yeah? That's good yeah, to hear. I think it works both ways. Yeah, I think it does. You look after them. You know, they're excellent. Yeah, you're, you're right there. I think once there's respect from both ends, if you look after them, they'll make sure the apartment is clean and, and maintained. Yeah, and yeah, I, I think the majority of people are like that. You know, you'll always have 20% or so that won't be, but I, I would hope anyhow the majority are, are working in that way. And a lot of talk in the last year or so, Sean, from other landlords who feel with everything going on, like now with the RTB, uh, like with the, the cost of looking after a house or an apartment, they're looking at getting out of the system and, and cashing in now while property prices are high. Have you ever thought of that? or are you happy to remain a landlord? At, at the moment, we'll remain. It's getting much harder. It is getting much harder. Uh, and what's making it harder outside of the RTB? Uh, I think it's just the legislation. Um, you know, we're from a landlord's perspective that, you know, it's you have to keep things, you know, if you have an apartment, it has to be maintained, you know, when a tenant leaves, you know, you no matter how good they are, the whole apartment has to be freshened up, painted, you know, there's, there's yeah. huge expense. Um, and that's with good tenants, but you still have to have, a, you know, um, to kept up fresh and to, to, have, to get the correct tenants uh, on the next letting. Is that hard trying to find the correct tenants? Because I used to house share a few years ago and if someone, one of the lads moved out of the house, then we'd have to advertise on Daft and a new person would come in uh, to the house and you'd interview four or five or six or seven people. Now you'd meet the most interesting characters uh, that you'd ever thought would never exist when you do this. I mean, it would really open your eyes to what's living out there. Uh, and this was in Cork City. But do you find that as well? It's getting tougher to find. And as you say, there's fantastic people out there. It's only a small percentage. Uh, but, but is it tougher to find the right tenant? I think 
it is. I think, you know, sometimes landlords go wrong. You know, I, I lucky, you know, I, I, I tell them, you know, what standards we want to keep the place, the premises in. And I tell them, you know, we won't tolerate any any messing or, you know, uh, carry on like that. Yeah, or low parties or anything. If you at the start, uh, you'll, you'll get the right tenant. Yeah, they are out there. It's just, I suppose, they going are, through they yeah, are, they are. Go, going through the, the pile to find the right one. You, and when you advertise an, an apartment now, like, like you have, is there a huge reaction? I mean, I, I know a neighbour of mine who rents out his apartment um, where I'm living uh, in the north side of the city. And in just one day alone, uh, over just over 24 hours, they received nearly 200 emails with an interest to rent that apartment. Yeah, this is a huge problem. Um and it's trying to filter through then all those replies. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, it, it's it's no fun now, I think, trying to rent an apartment. Uh, it's no fun for the tenants either, you know. It, it's uh, very hard. But, you know, we have... Usually if you get a good tenant and you look after them, they're long-term. You know, they'll stay with you. And... Uh, that's what I find. That's what I find. You know, the, the only thing we're very strict on is pets, I suppose, really. Um, you don't allow pets, is it? We don't allow yeah. pets. No, no. And no. why would you? Is it just that the mess that can come with that? It's, it's problems. You know, my biggest problem is they're going to work and leaving the, yeah. the dog in, you know, in the house. It's neglect. Uh, so for that reason, you know, I don't think it's fair on, on the animals. Yeah, no, that, that that's a good point. Uh, well, Sean, a real interesting chat with you and an insight into life as a landlord. I mean, people always have mixed views when it comes to landlords, but at the end of the day, from, from your point of view, if both you and the tenants, which sounds like you do get on and it works both ways, then you are providing a service for that person to live and work in the area of Cork. And with the RTB situation, we're still trying to find out what the a hold-up is with them or if they're just not getting everybody's email, letter or calls. Not too sure. We're going to try and check that out and get more information on that. But for the moment, Sean, thanks for calling us and joining us on air today. That'd be great. Thanks a million. Thank you, Sean, there. uh, Calling us from Ballygarvan on our common line 0818 103 103. Uh, His situation firsthand trying to register with the RTB. So frustrating for those who want to go by the book but then they cannot do so. Uh, We'll try and work out what is going on there with the RTB and why they are not getting back to people. Not too sure why what is happening with there with that because they're not under resourced according to according to Antishak Michal Martin so there should be no problems with them responding anyhow more calls and comments coming our way this afternoon first of all hi to Morris Morris is in Glanton now he was at Castle Lake in Carrick too uh, and about four weeks ago they came across a dead mallard now again today he says there's a dead signet there and they cannot get on to anyone to help them they tried the CSPCA they tried the Department of Agriculture Cork County Council but everybody they ring they can't do anything about it so who is to help out there now he's just phoned the department of ag emergency number they can't help either Uh, they tell him to phone a local vet now his big issue here is no one from the department will come out to collect the dead birds in case they have avian flu and that's the main reason Morris I presume you're trying to contact them because that is there at the moment and there is a worry and I know Birdwatch Ireland Ireland were out earlier on this week we might touch base with them and see will they have a chat with us next week on the show they're having the same problem whereby people are ringing them asking them what to do 
and the departments are telling those people to go to their local vet as well but the amount of calls Birdwatch Ireland are getting on this they can offer advice but they physically can't go around to all various parts of the country anyhow anybody has any advice for Morris what to do the local vet seems to be uh, the best solution there unless anybody knows someone that specifically would deal with birds but bear in mind avian flu is around and that someone is okay to go and, and remove that bird uh, that could have died from avian flu thank you Morris John uh, is regarding the housing situation we just touched on there he says JP the government is proposing modular housing for refugees but no modular housing for the 10,600 homeless people or the 100,000 people on the public housing list if this goes ahead John feels this will just infuriate people more the government uh, people may see the government putting the housing refugees first over their own people that will make people angry uh, says John and yeah it will make people angry uh, if that is the case but they will say you know they're looking at housing for all but yeah I totally get what you're saying John thank you for your text and a lot of people have been whatsapping in today asking are the clocks going back this year Yes, they are, even though this person says, thinking that if it's uh, if they were left the way they are, they would save electricity. Uh, but no, they are going to go back this year. We discussed that before on the show. We had Senator Tim Lombard on, who felt that it would be better to leave things as they are for energy as well. Uh, but the way it's looking, the clocks are going to go back at the end of October. And also something we discussed on the show earlier this week, this is from Jur in East Cork. We spoke with Peter McVerry from our sister radio station in Belfast, U105, and he's reacting to the census in Northern Ireland, says it is only 100 years since partition uh, it was formed as a Northern Ireland was formed as a president state and now Catholics outnumber the presidents and this is in the, the new uh, poll that is out from the census in Northern Ireland uh, feels we need a border poll now our country is too small to be divided a lot of people up there want to be in the EU and there's a lot of mixed feelings up there in Northern Ireland on that uh, one of the biggest things that came out of this census is people who don't identify as a Catholic or a Protestant but also people who just want things to get done in Northern Ireland uh, and I suppose the, the big thing is and this came from the Alliance Party they need to look at everything now because there's people who don't have in- identify either way and are they not being represented especially when it comes to jobs so many Catholics so many Protestants for a job in Northern Ireland they will ask you what religion you are is it time to remove all of that and just bring it into the 21st century uh, as that is the way it's going from the public up there when you look at that census a border poll not too sure if that's going to happen the last time it was Sinn Féin were, were, were talking about that along then with, with other parties including Fine Gael and indeed Fine Fáil but it is a bit off yet I would imagine for a border poll it won't happen today uh, but it is a change in the north certainly Ger, thank you for your call on 0818103103 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and of course, international soccer action is on across the week, which means Premier League Live on C103.ie takes a break this weekend. It is returning on Saturday, the 1st of October, powered by Talk Sport. Trevor Welsh will bring you all the action from the Premier League on Saturday, the 1st of October, including live games, big match interviews and much more. The Premier League Live online returns Saturday, 1st of October with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. Listen on the C103 app or go to C103.ie. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie.
Hospice Day will be held today at Sintra in Castle Lines from 9am to 7pm and a Monster Coffee Morning is going ahead at High Street Lounge in the Hurricanes New Market that's going ahead until 1 o'clock all proceeds to Marymount Hospice Skullvera in Canturk their big fundraiser is going ahead today and tomorrow to raise funds to upgrade their sporting facilities and changing rooms and Hurley Hay Centre are holding their annual spinathon. that's an aid of Blackwater Search and Rescue today at their stores in Mill Street Mallow and Formoy a coffee evening in aid of Marymount Hospice will be held in Bally Daly Hall this evening from 8 until 10 o'clock and the Broomhill Vintage Club in Coachford will hold the Coachford 200 Classic Vintage Car, Tractor and Honda 50 run this Sunday. They'll meet Aha Bollig GEA in Coachford Reg there at 10.30 and entry is by donation. They'll leave Coachford at 12.30 and the run is being held to mark Coachford Village 200 year since its foundation. So best of luck to all there in Coachford. And a prayer meeting with Brother Johnson and Brother Amal is going ahead this evening at Tio Park in Mitchellstown. Starts from 6 to 9 in Tio Park but if you would like to avail of Mass before the meeting you can do that at 5 o'clock in Ballylanders Church. The Cork Diary. It's a free service. If your event is not for profit or for charity you can email those details right now to us. Diary at c103.ie Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. Following what happened with the ramming of a Garda car in Cherry Orchard in Dublin, we received calls from people in McCroom earlier in the week who felt the same could happen in McCroom with so-called boy racers driving at speed around the town at night and into housing estates. We then got sent a video from Knockaball Cross in Barry Desmond. And here the video was showing late night in the middle of the night where cars are turning up doing these donuts at the crossroads in Barry Desmond now Mick who lives nearby sent us on this video and this was from I think it was from one of the bedrooms or just outside the bedrooms of their house just have a listen to the noise if you were in bed at 1am or 2am and have worked the next day and then all of a sudden you hear this outside I mean it is quite disheartening but especially for people living on their own when we ever discuss this uh, we always get people who are on their own uh, who get worried and frightened by these noises. This is it. And that goes on and on, and this is in Knockaball Cross near Bally Desmond. So if you're in bed, and it is whatever time in the middle of the night, and hearing this, again, particularly if there's a, a vulnerable person or an older person on their own, and that goes on and on and on. And it's that people are worried about. They feel there's an increase in certain areas of Cork. We've received emails and texts from other areas also. They don't want to go public. Uh, but the callers from McCroom mentioned the effects it's having in McCroom and also there uh, from Bally Desmond. Uh, and people are saying, what what can be done? I suppose unless the Gardaí catch them in the act or you can send a video you sent to us onto the Gardaí to see if they can do anything with that. But unless there's a reg and they can identify the people, they might not be able to. Uh, uh, but when you hear that and that's the noise from, that comes from the bedroom of a house out of those cars that is a worry to many uh, thank you for those for highlighting that and sending those uh, those details to us across the week and now back to the budget because our news reporter Maureen Tuig has been speaking to people on the streets of Cork ahead of Budget 23 next Tuesday and the big message 
that is coming back from people is that we're all suffering. And in recent times, during interviews in Cork, the public expenditure minister, Michael McGrath, he has said that this will be a budget like no other. The foreign affairs minister, Simon Coveney, he says the government is piecing together a plan that can be as supportive as it is possible can be. And on Taoiseach, Michal Martin said that they will do everything to alleviate pressure. But here's what the people of Cork are saying. I'd love to see if housing prices would go down for students and for anyone coming in looking for a visa to work or just general aspect of it. I just personally, I think we kind of need to, like, raw suffering at the end of the day. Like, everything's going up, inflation's going up, like... Personally, I, at the moment there, I'm training in the gym. I'm training for like food, everything, and it's just it's very hard. Like I'm working, I'd say about sixty hours a week now to even pay for my rent, everything. And I personally think, well, I personally think everything's go down, and I think the government should really take a big look at housing prices mainly and inflation. That's what I personally think. Oh, it's absolutely scandalous. I mean, in general, you know, you're buying your shopping. I mean, I got run into a garage and bought a bottle of water, 210, you know, just for a bottle of water. It's absolutely, it's very, very, very devastating for the people, you know. I mean, shopping, they're just scrimping and scraping in general just, just to feed themselves. Never mind saying heating, you know, just in general, all that other kind of thing. It's, it's absolutely scandalous for anyone you know, to live in society, especially in Cork now today. I mean, in Ireland in general, the prices are absolutely scandalous. People are doing their best and they're, they're, they're having a very hard time. Do you know what I mean? The prices, and as I say, you know, with the youths, the elders, they're always going to struggle that little bit harder. And I think people are, in, in a broad statement in general, everyone is struggling now with the prices. I mean, it's scandalous food, water, milk. It's absolutely, it's too high raised, priced. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, everything is very much overpriced, um, you know, more or less double and stuff like that. So people are really struggling. So if they could take that into consideration for budget 2022, that would be great. As you know, people definitely need, need a little extra help, you know. From the streets of Cork, that was our news reporter, Murray Tuig, speaking to people ahead of what they think should be in the budget next Tuesday for Budget 23. We'll await and see what happens on text, though. Someone asking when is the start of the fuel allowance? It's due to start next Monday is when the fuel allowance will start. And on the way next, we're heading to the movies with Mark. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. Finally on the RTB, Margaret is in Bantier, is a landlady and she agrees totally uh, with what others are saying, including Sean who joined us on the comment line from Ballygarvin earlier. She is over two months trying to register her tenant with the RTB. She has moved from pillar to post. She has tried to do it online but has failed. She is getting threatening emails from them but you can't reply to the email and she is sick of them she says it was much easier to do it before lockdown they were helpful then but not anymore and on the car donuts uh, done by so called boy racers we heard there from McCroom and Bally Desmond we had an audio example from Bally, o- De- Bally Desmond earlier and also a lot of text now from Kilimatra to say uh, they're also being done at weekends mainly in and around the areas of Kilimatra and just staying with traffic 
Uh, there's an incident and this is next to the Middleton to Whitegate Road at Banlacurra. It appears to be a lawnmower grass cutting. Uh, a verge is stuck next to the hard shoulder. Now two people from the council are trying to free it but because uh, people who are driving are slowing down to look at it, uh, this texture is saying they're rubbernecking and they're causing a hazard. Uh, so just take care if you're travelling on that road f- uh, from Middleton to Whitegate Road at Banlacurra or Banlacurra even uh, near Middleton. Now let's go to the movies and Mark Malone joins me as usual on a Friday afternoon. Hi, Mark. Hi, John Paul. And you went along to see this described as a, a comedy mystery. It's called See How They Run. Uh, let's have a, a listen first to the trailer on this one. There's been a murder. Seems he was killed in the costume store initially and then he was deposited here, staged, so to speak. Is that the idea? Gather all the suspects under one roof until the mystery's solved? That was not me. I had no part in it. He's killed him to hush up the affair. Case closed. They both had a motive. Betrayal. Greed. Murder. Perhaps they were all in on it together. The ski did that and it was downhill from there. Now, as I said, described as a comedy mystery, but a good cast in this, Mark, as well, I must say. Uh, yes, but not all of them kind of showed up, really. And oh. I think, uh, you know, for me, that's the main problem with the film. Otherwise, it's really, really good fun. I mean, if you're into kind of Agatha Christie, if you're into, if you saw uh, Knives Out uh, recently, a couple of years back, uh, you will know that, uh, you know, it's very, very similar to these kind of films. It's, I don't think it's as good as those, but it certainly is entertainment, uh, entertaining. And that's the kind of thing that they're going for. Um, the problem is, is that for me, is the casting of Sam Rockwell, who was completely miscast in this film. Film. And, you know, if you heard there, the, the, you, that's the shortened version of the trailer. But if you watch the trailer, and I did a couple of months back when I heard of this film, I watched it and I noticed Sam, Sam Rockwell, who plays the character here of Inspector Stoppard, doesn't feature hardly any uh, at any moment in the trailer for some reason. And I thought that was a bit very, I thought that was very, very strange. I realise now why that is, because even though he has one of the main leads in the film, his performance is so understated, it hardly exists. Now, I've read since that he did have problems with the character. He didn't know quite know how to uh, to go about it. And he looked up and he started watching Peter Sellers as Inspector Clouseau. He doesn't give us that at all. Uh, all he basically does is kind of hides under a hat and a moustache and kind of mumbles his way through this film and so because of that then and by the way I think Sam Rockwell is a brilliant actor if you've seen him in Three Billboards you'll know exactly what I mean I think he's one of the best actors you know in in movies today but here um, he's just so understated and basically you don't believe that he can solve the mystery here. Um, and so it's left to some of the other actors. You've mentioned, uh, you know, the, the cast. We've got Saoirse Ronan here. Yeah. And it's obvious that she had to go big because she was getting nothing back from Rockwell. She had to go really big in this film. I'm glad to be able to say that she could do comedy as well. She could do everything. She could do accents. She could do drama. She could do everything because she's such a huge talent and is by far the best thing in this whole film. Uh, basically, what the film uh, does is that um, it uh, it's centred around uh, the mousetrap, you know, the Agatha Christie um, play. Yeah. And the thing about uh, the play is that it's never been filmed. And one of the reasons it's never been filmed is that Agatha Christie made it quite clear that she would only allow a film to be made of the play once the play shuts down. And of course, it never has, because it started back in 1952. And apart from in the pandemic, it's been running since. It's the world's longest play. So it's never been filmed. And in the film, we're introduced to Reese Shearsmith, who plays the character of John Wolfe, and David Oyelowo, who plays the Mervyn of Mervyn Cocker Norris. Now, these are two English producers who are desperate to make a film of the play. But because of this um, kind of prerequisite from Agatha Christie, they can't do that. 
we've also got the character of uh, Leo Kupernick here, played by Adrian Brody. Now, he's this very brash and very arrogant kind of American director, and he wants to direct the film. If they get the rights to make it, he wants to direct it. The problem is, is that he wants to completely change the ending, which the two English producers don't really want him to do. He turns up dead. Now, I know you might think that's a spoiler. It's in the trailer. We know that. And in fact, he's Adrian Brody's in the film, throughout the film, in flashbacks, really. And he, too, is very, very good as well, as is David Oyelowo, who is terrific in this film. It's just a pity that Sam Rockwell didn't turn up, and that's a shame. Because the film is actually really, really well done, you know? And um, there are lots of references to um, Agatha Christie's plays, which I think Agatha Christie fans will, will really love. And uh, there are lots of... Um, references throughout the whole film. And I enjoy that um, bit about it. I think it's very well directed. I think it's got a lot of kind of energy. The 1950s uh, England is, is very well recreated. And um, although the director, for some reason, he has this habit of split screening. Now split screening can work if you are trying to t tell two different stories at, at the same time. Uh, but the problem is, is that he split screens for no reason. If there's just two characters having a conversation, he'll split the screen. I don't know why he did that. I think it's very odd and was completely unnecessary. So if you like Agatha Christie, if you like um, these kind of whodunits, if you liked Knives Out, uh, then I think uh, you will like this as well. But it's just a shame that uh, Sam Rockwell decided not to turn up. Yeah, it is. And I did watch, like you did, the trailer for the extended trailer. And it would make you want to go and look at the film or, or download it or whatever. So out of 10, Mark, uh, with everything that didn't or wasn't, included in this film well, how would you rate this yeah apart from Sam everything else is pretty good and yeah. pretty entertaining and uh, so I give it a 7 a oh, 7 that's good anyhow uh, see how they run uh, the comedy mystery and then you went and went to see this is Day Shift and this is starring Jamie Foxx yeah, this is another uh, big, big budget kind of Netflix film. And again, like so many of their films over the past few years, it's again, even though, you know, it's style and no substance. There's an awful lot happening. There's an awful lot of crash bank wallop. There's an awful lot of explosions. There's an awful lot of action happening. But there's no real soul to the film. And that's been the case with, say, for example, The, the Grey Man, which we saw recently, which again was big budget, lots of action, but basically pretty much no story. And that's the, that's the problem here. I mean, I've been giving out over the last few years about some of the standard of the direction of some of these films. And it seems to me like a lot of these direction, uh, these director jobs are being given to directors who have pretty much no experience. I mean, if you look back at, say, Spielberg, he started in TV. If you look at Ridley Scott and Alan Parker, for example, they started in commercials. So they learned how to make and tell a story in say 30 seconds and this is my problem with a lot of these films with directors who really aren't experienced enough they just don't seem to know how to put a good solid movie together and uh, this is directed uh, by a guy by the name of J.J. Uh, Perry and this is his first film I mean he's been given this huge budget to make this film and he's never made a film before he's a, he was a stunt coordinator and so basically it's exactly what you would the kind of film that you'd expect from a stunt coordinator it's just action the whole way through which sounds good which sounds Sounds exciting, but it does become very, very tiresome after a while. So basically, Jamie Foxx plays, he's, he pretends to be a kind of a pool man, a pool cleaner, uh, but he's not. He's uh, a vampire killer. And um, and the way uh, these vampire killers make their living is, do you know, you know, when you when a, when a vampire kind of smiles, the incisors, those teeth, yeah. uh, you know, which they bite with. Well, they they're worth an awful lot of money. So when they kill vampires, uh, they take these teeth and they can sell them uh, on the market. And that's how they make uh, their living. And so basically the film is I, I presume you've seen The, the Walking Dead. I don't you know have. if you've seen all of it. I've seen a good few of them. Yeah. I, I got, 
Yeah, I got to about series five, I think, of The Walking Dead. I mean, I think there were five more series uh, after that. But I just tired of watching constantly just heads being caved in. And that's the <laughs> yeah, case. You're here. right, you're it's right. Just, <laughs> you can only watch so much of that. It's just two hours of basically just decavitation. That's wow. all it is. And you do become very bored and very, very tired with it. And it's a shame because some of the action sequences are actually pretty good. There's one mm. sequence where Jamie Foxx goes into this house after a vampire. And it turns out to be what's called a nest, which means that, uh, you know, it's infested with vampires. And there's an action sequence. It lasts quite a long time. It lasts about 10 minutes. Um, but again, it's just just bloodletting of the, the highest order. So this movie is not for kids. Beware of that. There's a lot of, a lot of blood. There's a lot of decapitation going on here there's a lot of knives happening and uh, I did tire of it after a while which is a shame because it also stars Dave Franco and he and Jamie Foxx uh, are very very good together there's there's a lot of char- charisma there between the two of them and um, and they're great it's just a pity that the film is just again just give us a bit of a storyline you know tell us more about the characters you know what I mean just 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 pause the action and the decapitation and the blood and the killing just for just for a couple of minutes so we can kind of relax and get to know the characters a little bit better but if that's what you want if that's what you like if you like act, kind of action just non-stop in that way uh, then this will be for you if you like uh, you know this amount of blood letting it might be for you unfortunately uh, it wasn't for me and it's streaming did you say amazon is it it is on netflix oh netflix so that's on netflix and out of 10 how would you rate a day shift um, I'll give it a four. Okay, a four. All right. <laughs> that, that, there's our storylines. That's why they got a four. <laughs> Lack of storylines. But the moment, Mark, thank you for that. And we'll chat to you uh, next week on the show. Take care. Uh, Mark Malone there with our movie review. That's it from me for this week. Busy shows across the week. We thank you for your calls, texts and emails. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced Trisha Messenger, is back with you on Monday with Cork Today. So enjoy your weekend. Have a good one. I'm John Paul McNamara. Take care. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.